0: Happy Wednesday, guys. I think we finally got a good and healthy debate out of Vice Debates, and it's conservatives versus liberals on U.S. education. Let's react. All right, guys. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a good week and everything is going your way so far. If it's not, uh, better luck next week. Better luck tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to be reacting to conservatives debate liberals on the U.S. education system. We've got Taylor here. Hello. And we've got Scott in the Producers Bay. What's up, everyone? Yo. Whole now, squad's back together. That's nice. Just for the day. Hmm. And then we're we're off again tomorrow. Hmm. Taylor's off to Nashville. And uh, Scott will be here, though. I'll
1: be, be here. I'll be here. sticking
0: yeah. it. sticking it.
2: Uh, let's react. Let's watch this. Conservatives debate liberals on the U.S. education system. I'm Mina Derson. Um, I'm a correspondent here at Vice. Well, technical News difficulties. And- we gotta
3: and- plug you back in. Uh,
2: wonderful, yeah. Classic. as always. Classic. Who wanted to buy us a court again? Was that Flynn? <laughs> After he got justice. We're going to talk about education today. We tried to bring a very diverse mix of voices here. Obviously, we're not going to be able to represent every single opinion out there when it comes to education, but we are really thankful for your time and for your perspectives. I also have two kids in school, so, you know, have experienced some of this from the parent side as well. Mm-hmm. So let's just start really broadly. What's the purpose of education? I think the purpose of education
1: is twofold. One, to help build and support the individual, but also help build and support society as a whole, because um, even though you may not have a kid in education, you pay taxes to public school, because we as a society depend
4: on and need education for society to work. I think the purpose of education is to educate and not indoctrinate, and I think that in in a lot of ways we've strayed from that and the original purpose uh, of what it's supposed to be.
5: I think it should be intelligence and character. I think you should be able to understand the world around you and understand who you are and your purpose and try to make the world a better place. Mm.
0: Intelligence and character. I have to think about that. Do we expect character lessons from our education system? (laughs) That's tricky territory. I mean, I think that's where the principle you you do. Right. Like kindness and tolerance and things like that. But of what?
6: (laughs) Right. What what values? I mean, that's where I think most of the crux of this disagreement is going to be on. Like, what is it okay to teach kids outside of just the objective, like mathematics or how to read your literacy and things like that? Like, What are the values that we're inculcating? And that's where we disagree because we're divergent as a country right now and coming from two very different value systems, it feels like.
0: Yeah. Oof, what constitutes character? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Rely on public education. It's getting where you'll
5: have to. Yeah. Yeah. Cut that out. It's <laughs> just sad. I think that it has to be a mix of the skills. You know, memorizing the formulas you know, understanding the world around you, but then also what to do with it.
7: And just to go off that, the idea that education, you have to balance the importance of memorizing the quadratic formula while simultaneously addressing social and political issues respectively. So children have both the know-how, general knowledge, and also kind of self-awareness and character. So they're able to develop their own opinions.
2: Yeah, I think that the purpose of education is to understand the world that you exist in and use that understanding as a means for creating change, or even understanding yourself on a deeper level.
8: Um, I believe the purpose is simply just to prepare the individual to be...
0: I was, up with, I was with her until she said creating change.
8: Successful <laughs> in the society that they exist in.
1: Critical thinking, uh, learn how to live out your full potential so you can be independent and everything else really flows from there.
9: The purpose of education is to prepare children for the real life and also make sure that they are literate.
10: So I think the purpose is to raise the next generation of leaders. And when you think about what you want your leaders to be like, you want them to be knowledgeable and you want them to be compassionate. You want them to be self-aware. You want them to understand the best way to move forward, not just for themselves personally, but for their whole community.
2: When we talk about who's doing the educating, who should decide what's being taught? Parents. I think that parents
9: should have a huge say in what's going on in the classroom because it's their kids, not ours. Yeah, as a public school teacher 15 years, I've always I was always aware that these are not my children. We have to make sure that we're respecting parents and their beliefs and their values.
8: I think the Constitution agrees with that. Yes. Um here in America, ranging back to the early 1900s, plenty of Supreme Court cases have ruled in that favor that it is the parents' right ultimately to decide a child's education.
0: Right. I get what they're saying on its face of course. Yeah, you want parents to be able to influence what their kids are being taught or at least have some you know oversight and be able to see, have curriculum transparency. But there does have to be some sort of effort, uh, collaborative effort with other parents. Otherwise, you have, what, 25 different cooks in the kitchen at one time, if we're looking at the average public school classroom size right now. So you know, 25 parents all coming to the table and being like, this is what I want my kids to be taught. This is what I want my kids to be taught. And this is what I want my kids to be taught is a really difficult situation to navigate. And that's why the the waters are less muddy when you stop putting in little social and political issues, when it just becomes like y- you want your kids to know math, right? You want your kids to know the science. And even in science, there's going to be disagreements among different uh, parental groups and things like that. But when you really strip it down to the basics, it becomes so much easier.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you ha- you have to find the, the common ground that 25 different sets of parents will voluntarily agree to for yeah. their children. And unfortunately, that we used to have a much more uh, broader base of shared values as a country. Uh, but that that has changed uh, with radical progressive ideas now that. Um, We have a a vast division and there's less and less common ground that we're we're, that all parents agree on. And so with that, you just have to say, "Okay, well, we're just going to eliminate more and more social issues rather than allowing for one set of ideas to be taught um, based on the whims of the teaching, the teachers.
0: And, you know, I'm a big fan of the whole opt out thing, you Mm -hmm. know, allow parents to say, hey, hey, parents, we're going to be having this discussion tomorrow. What role do you want to have in your child being present or not being present? You let me know. We're just letting you know this is on the docket for the school and then allow parents to have a little bit of leeway when it comes to that.
3: I, I also want to add, like, there there ha- there's something to be said, too, for um, parents who are now fighting for this as though it's something new. Um, but there are a lot of people out here out there who can also make the argument that parents from the get go had the ability to. Um, take charge in what's being taught in the curriculum yeah. uh, because they do elect those who are um, on their school boards and um, leading. These unions um per se, and you know it's 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 sad that we've gotten to a point where the boot needed to drop on us to wake us up and realize that things have run amuck mm-hmm. um, in the school system, but um I feel as though the the way the way parents can really take advantage of this is is starting to get involved in their local communities and start voting uh, for those school boards, get to know those candidates who are who are running um
0: yeah. And I feel like teachers, for the most part, or at least used to be, and very recently used to be, because I was in school pretty recently, used to be pretty flexible on these things. I think about where I grew up, which is a rural conservative area in Florida. And when religion came up in any way, shape or form, parents would go at it and they'd be coming to the school and talking to teachers about it like my my upbringing happened to be. Uh, in the non religious, more atheist side of things. So, if a teacher came and was talking about like scripture and this need for a belief in God, maybe my mother would go and ha- have to call the school and say something. Other students, when we got into talks about evolution in science class, their parents would call up the school and be like, hey, you know, we don't roll like that. That's not what, <laughs> like, my kid will, you know, do your lesson plan or whatever, or maybe they won't, but I'm just letting you know this is not an opinion that we're teaching our children. And Teachers really had no other choice but to go. Okay, yeah, I respect that. That's fine. I get it. I'm just teaching the curriculum that was given to me as a teacher. That's fully your right as a parent to say you don't want your kid being taught that.
6: Yeah, I mean that's just what you have to do in a in a pluralistic society. You can't just assume that one. You know, you can't take a one size fits all approach anymore. Whenever you have people of diverging viewpoints that are uh, that are competing, so you have to reduce strip things down to okay, let's let's get to what are the bare bones objective facts, objective uh, you know, uh disciplines that need to be taught in, in schools and then we'll that's where we have to live.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately.
7: Just gotta figure out what that is, yeah
8: medical needs, et cetera.
7: I would push back though and say that there does need to be collaboration, right? I completely respect your idea of Of it is not our job as educators to put forth a belief in front of children, right? That includes not perpetuating parents' beliefs in the classroom as well. In my opinion, that would be keeping a non-biased viewpoint, simply presenting issues and then allowing kids to decide for themselves. I would agree that I think it needs to be a
2: collaborative effort. The way that we decide curriculum in Texas is that work groups comprised of community members, educators, parents, even in some cases, students and public service officials come together to draft curriculum plans and then it's ultimately decided on um, by our State Board of Education, which has a lot of kind of assistance from parents as well. So I think that 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 kind of format can be really effective because it also empowers students to become involved in the fate of their education. And as a student myself, I think that that's incredibly important because our perspectives need to be heard as well.
4: The voices of parents need to be heard uh, in that equation. But unfortunately, what we've seen recently is that parents' voices have been demonized in this process. You've seen parents, who have criticized local school boards labeled terrorists simply for caring about the quality of the of their education that their child is receiving. These teachers are temporary caretakers. When they come back home, it's the parent who has to explain that this is this radical belief that was put in front of you, this was this idea that you've never been raised around, that that, that parent now has to explain. And at the end of the day, that isn't just confined to a classroom, now it's bleeding into their upbringing, and there's only one person responsible for their upbringing, and that's the parents. It's not the educators, it's not the teacher, it's their parents.
0: Shout out to CJ, who works here at Prairie U. He's somewhere running around the halls for for representing uh, this perspective on on this panel. Yeah, I agree.
10: I like the idea of the collaboration. and Obviously, parents' voices belong at that table. I also Mm -hmm. like the emphasis on students having a say in this and also other people that adults that aren't parents. I'm invested in that too, even though I don't have children of my own. And, and I hear what you're saying about having to, like parents needing to confront or, or address, I guess, like what kids are learning at school, but to giving kids the exposure to other ideas or other things that they wouldn't be exposed to otherwise is I think part of what's gonna help raise the next generation of people that are able to look outside their own lived experience.
0: But it's all about how that exposure is given, in what context the exposure is given to them. You You know, uh, I got into a back and forth with a student at, I forget which university now, who came up and brought up the Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill and all these things. And I'm like, you know what? I don't see anything inherently wrong with maybe a kid getting a book where... There's two dads in a little cartoon book or something or two moms or whatever. Nothing really sets off a red flag for me all that much. But now that I know the other stuff and the other lenses through which we're having these conversations with ki- children, it doesn't work for me. So there's plenty of reasonable and rational routes that if you have felt the need to have these conversations in school, which I still don't believe are necessary, you could have them. But the thing is, we're not getting those rational and reasonable examples Although that seems to be the ones that we keep debating over. It's not what's happening.
6: Yeah. Generally speaking, people who are perpetrating indoctrination do not necessarily believe that they are indoctrinating people. They just think that their worldview is true. And Mm -hmm. so they infuse their worldview into what they, with the facts that they're also teaching. And so you end up influencing a child. And as a parent, you have to know that when you're sending your child to school, you're handing them off to people who may, that you may not trust that, um, not to impose their own worldview. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you have to know that going into it, but what, what is challenging is, you know, public school is a place where it's, it's, it's for the public it, you have to, again, kind of go to that lowest common denominator. And, mm-hmm. and because of that, you have to be very careful about, uh, any kind of ideology, whether it's, you know, back in the day, like you, like we, we're, you're, Your mom's concern of they're teaching Christian, explicitly Christian ideas as Mm -hmm. fact or as this is the worldview that you ought to have. And that's the same thing that they're doing now with a lot of this this ideology that's infused in there. And and the importance is it's more important now than ever to parse out between what is opinions, what are ideologies, what are ways of thinking about the world that some people have but not others, and what are the cold hard facts.
4: 100%. I think that oftentimes those different ideas are presented in the classroom as a student as the only idea. When you're being taught that, oh, this, there's, yeah. you know, this many genders or anything like this, where you haven't been exposed to that in your own household, it's being presented as like the end-all be-all when it actually isn't. It's about educating and not indoctrinating. As long as it's, that is presented as a counterpoint to, well, there's people who believe this, but there's also people who believe this, that's okay. The reality of it is, is that in most classrooms across the country, that isn't what's happening.
9: And to, to piggyback off of that, one side is- is labeled as a bigot white supremacist homophobic there's a lot of parents in america that are christian or you know they, they believe in two genders gender binary and if you say that as a teacher especially you could be labeled as homophobic so there isn't this unbiased classroom because there's one side that can't really be uh you know as loud as the other side without risk of you know losing our jobs even
0: also that's kali fontania who's also on our show uh you guys can check out her episode i believe it's titled something around the long long lines of college professor gives a for for students to uh decolonize the classroom so
7: you can check out uh, some more of her stuff yeah she's great but you two are kind of the ones that brought in the conflict of like, there is an indoctrination going on and only one side it has this opinion and this side is not allowed to talk and we have to be quiet. When really you guys are actually the loudest in regards to this issue thus far. Right?
0: You could say loudest responsively, like whose parents are showing up to school board meetings probably conservative parents just because there is a force that they're fighting against in their schools. So as far as analyzing public education and seeing whether or not it leans left or right, you know is unanimously left and just a, a quick look at the teachers unions and the sort of things that they endorse are, it would would tell you exactly that
6: yeah i can i can calmly be and quietly be indoctrinating your child but right <laughs> it's not wrong for you to loudly oppose me in that so right you know, i mean there's two sides to that it's <laughs> a good
0: way to put it yeah
7: Oh, yes, in this room, yes. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the question. What I would say, though, is like, I, I do want to push away, if possible, and I, but I'd love for you to hear this, right, is that idea of someone sees me and they go, oh, you're one of those that teach that there's 72 different types of gender. Desmond Fambrini, he, him, gender fluid, bisexual. My students do not know this because it doesn't come up because I'm a learning specialist and it's my job to educate and teach a curriculum, right? Now, if I'm asked directly by a parent or if there's confusion, oh, why do you wear makeup? Same reason why girls do, because it's fun for me. It, sure. it doesn't need to be this very controversial, and going to mess with this child's upbringing, they're going to go home and they're going to turn into a gender fluid and they're going to think there's 72 genders. I think that's a
4: question you say you should go ask your parents about how they feel about that. Well, so, and okay,
7: okay. Teachers
4: yeah. are supposed to teach Reading, math, science, the things that are actually going to make them contribute to society. Answering a child's questions about whether or not men or women should be wearing makeup or not is, I don't think, within that
7: realm. Okay, so you said science, right? So we're talking about a physical science, we're talking about human anatomy and biology here. So a child says, I thought boys could not wear makeup. I have an X and Y chromosome and I'm wearing makeup. I could factually answer that without indoctrinating with any opinion. But it's correct? in no
4: way scientific your answer to that question. Whether How is that or not, not scientific? I would say maybe cultural or it's a perception or...
0: That would technically be the most non-biased answer that you could give to a child who's presenting it at that point. Now, if you went any further past that, and of course this is probably contingent upon the fact that the parents have probably met you, you've done your parent-teacher conference and the parents have agreed, this is okay. Unless you're like taking off your makeup to meet the parents and then you put the makeup on to go back to school the next day. Whole different story. Uh, I would hope there's at least some understanding that that's the person who is teaching your children. and in, In many ways it's on the parents, but it's also a collaborative effort between the school and whatever the parental figure is in in these children's lives. So yeah, technically that is the most non-biased answer you could possibly give given the situation that you're in.
6: Yeah, yeah. I I don't have a problem necessarily with any, uh, like Desmond is saying the right things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, if I'm a parent and and I show up to my kid's class, are my alarm bells ringing off that this is a man wearing makeup? Is it uh, it justified for me to think that there's a higher probability that this person is of a certain worldview and that that certain worldview might make its way into what my child's being exposed to at school, uh, whether explicitly or just through the residual effect of this being how this teacher sees the world? Yes, and that's not bigoted or wrong for me to think that, but it's the, the same logic would play if Desmond brought his child to a uh, to a school and the teacher had Christian paraphernalia everywhere and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what you know Trump's flags. I mean, you're not going to have that, but you know what right, I mean, like right. conservative paraphernalia or things like that, like you're going to, your alarm bells are going to go up and the point is, you know, would you be justified in being skeptical that that teacher would be teaching your child without bias and worldview that that's not and that's where like this, the, the education of a child is like a, it's a sacred duty, especially in public education because you have to put your duty duty to the country, and the integrity of the country, like the the values of, you know, objectivity, rationalism, mm-hmm. uh, free speech, open debate, not and not indoctrinating. You have to put that above yourself and and that's but that's very difficult to do and and even even for someone who holds those values in high regard, you can you really be free of You know, imposing your worldview on other people, and it's just a tough. That again, back in the day, that used to be less of an issue because we had more of a shared cultural fabric as a Mm -hmm. society. But now, everyone is like so paranoid, and you can just feel the air's charged in this conversation because they're like, "Dude, I don't trust you. You don't trust me," and our just our trust has gone down, um, and just and and justifiably so. Uh, But uh, I don't know. It's just it's difficult right now, man. I mean, I'm we're you know Scott's new new parent. How do you feel about a kid coming into a, a school? Uh, in this day and age.
3: Yeah, honestly, I mean, there, there's so much to, to becoming a new parent. I feel like the weight of responsibility has, uh, doubled, if not tripled on top of me. Um, and I mean, these are, these are real concerns now, um, that are, that are seeping into my mind and not as though they weren't, uh, real, uh, before having a child, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's now, um, and I, I get the angst and, and anger and, um, you know, call it, uh, loud um as as that uh, person on here was talking about mm-hmm. you know parents being the loudest of this mm-hmm. um I, I get it now because you know at the end of the day um this is this is your your child's future um and you know once you once you hold your baby in your hands um you will literally do everything and anything for them um and you know whether it be for you know the gr- the gr- the greater good, the community, the United States, in this particular situation, like you're, you're, you want that to be the case, but ultimately it's about your child and 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 their future, and and you're willing to to stand up for it, um, in in any way, shape, or form, regardless of how loud or quiet or um, what have you.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> regardless of the decibels, <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't really matter at that point. And sometimes do things are synonymous. Sometimes you know, really standing up for your children in that way is probably what is going to be for the greater good, if that's how we're. Going to measure things
4: an opinion but it's in no way scientific
7: anyone else i am a chatty person so i'm (laughs) going to take a pause and i'm going to let's see if anyone else has something to say so i just had one question for you because
2: not all homes are are welcoming or open to conversation or safe so how do we how do we balance that i think that
4: what we're saying is that there are certain conversations that are not to be had with a teacher and I think that the argument that a lot of people on the right and conservatives are making is that we just don't feel as if actors of the state should be having conversations that are taxpayer funding conversations with children about conversations that have not come up in their own households. And to that point, if you can't talk about God in the classroom, why can we talk about every gender under the sun, right? I think that's the the the, the conundrum that we we find ourselves in. If we are banning those conversations, we've banned those a long time ago, then how can we have these conversations just because they belong to a different side?
0: Uh, Yeah. So this is often, I think the question that's brought up by people is that really this conversation is not about people with super active parents. It's about the kids that don't have active parents at all and are not going to have any of these conversations in within the walls of their homes. What do we do about those kids? And, you know, that's a hard question to answer. But it's also a really big one because there's so many conversations that so many kids are not going to have within their own respective households, not even just ones that are connected to gender and sexuality. There's conversations of drugs and, and lifestyle and different things that you get far outside of education and math and science and reading and writing and all these things. And it just really becomes the question of, is that the job of a publicly funded school is is that their job to fill in the holes that other parents have, have left behind or that other households are are not willing to uh, step into and have that conversation and i think we'll find hopefully some common ground in saying that yes there are probably some conversations that kids should be having as far as sexual education i imagine everybody in this room probably agrees that at some point within public education hopefully on the later end of public education Students are having at least an anatomically and biologically correct conversation about sex and about the effects of sexuality. Uh, And we can talk about the crux of that conversation and different things that we should and should not be talking about. But I think virtually everybody here agrees that that's a hole that could exist in, you know, the outside world and with other parental figures that we might want to patch up with the public education system. But is gender and sexuality one of those? Seems like we haven't yet all agreed on that. So we'll to figure that out.
10: So I think we actually talk about God in the classroom all the time, right? Yeah. Who's taught religion? Who's taught world religions? Who's taught, like, history in the way that, you know, Puritans? Are, like, and that's okay because god is part of the fabric of history and And whatever else
4: from a development perspective this is how christianity originated is how islam originated we don't talk about like this is what this gender is and this is if you feel this way then there's gender affirmation therapy all those things i
10: think you actually bring up a really good parallel of like i feel comfortable and i feel like it is okay to talk about identity issues the same way we talk about god not indoctrinating anyone not telling this is what you have to be or you have to believe but saying this is something that some people believe
4: but in the sense of gender identity i don't see that parallel how is that making someone more literate more successful
10: what i hear you saying mm-hmm. is that
7: learning about different gender identities does not make somebody a more considerate well-rounded person but learning about different religions does make you a more considerate roller i'm saying that-
0: considerate and well-rounded isn't I, of course this is edited so i don't know that considerate and well-rounded was the metric that they were using But God in religion is an ever-present structure in human civilization. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's been here. It is formulated civilizations, opinions, the way that we communicate with each other, countries, everything you can think of, uh, for the most part, different religions have been invested in and involved in. And been formulating and changing during that time. So that seems like a pretty pivotal conversation to have regardless of how you feel about the religion in itself now if you're in a class on on world history of course religion's going to be paramount in that class is the gay struggle and queer theory paramount in a class about world history probably not
6: yeah the gender identity is a right now what few years old mm-hmm. and the concept of god has been something that humans have wrestled with as long as we have human history right so it's like you know a candle to the sun in terms of the relevance uh, and the weight of it um in, with regard to like what it's relevant to in education just from a from a very like general standpoint so you know it, it's not a not apples to apples there
0: no are. it's not and this points out what is a major problem within the education system is that we have no system for prioritizing what children should be taught in their curriculum no system which is why children in these major cities are graduating without meeting the requirements of of graduation why states like Oregon are lowering the requirements that it takes to graduate high school in some areas because we have no idea what to prioritize even though we've managed to figure it out from quite some time but if you look at the world stage as far as america and the way our education compares to other countries we are failing our students in the land of the free and the home of the brave we are failing young people and and our, our most important and pivotal part of our society so yeah we have just no frame of reference for prioritizing
6: well You've internalized your anti-blackness and you're, you're not realizing that math is white supremacy on <laughs> the so that's the time that we're living in.
0: Objectivity Get is white supremacy. Times. Math yeah. is white supremacy. Science is white supremacy. Uh, well, depending on who it comes from. Then follow the science.
4: That is a part of history. I don't understand where okay. gender identity falls within so, what we should be teaching.
10: Religious history and God comes into play in terms of history? Cool, but... Don't gay people and trans people, too? It's not like I'm the first transgender person to ever walk this earth. Like, there are trans people that were, and and gay people, who were part of major movements in this country, like from the Civil Rights Movement to the Feminist Movement. To I mean, obviously Stonewall. Like, isn't that part of history, too? Let's just take a step back. So just...
2: Okay.
0: It's again, it's another, like what, what you just said, the candle to the sun type of thing when you're talking about this. If I'm in a class of world history or African American history, like a lot of the conversations we're having right now, is queer theory a part of either of those classes? Probably not. If I'm in a class about, I don't know, America from the 1960s to the early 2000s or something like that, Would would maybe a few things that involve talks of sexuality come up and different revolutions that happened at the time in America come up? Sure. Would the AIDS epidemic come up? And that would be something to talk about as well. Would maybe Stonewall and the Stonewall riots come up at some point when we're talking about this cultural shift uh, of of talking about sexuality, expressing sexuality and, and becoming more tolerant towards people of different sexualities come up? Maybe, but that is a highly like, specialized area in history that we are choosing to focus on now in classes that virtually have nothing to do with it. So clearly, our priorities are not straight. And that's not to say, <laughs> not straight.
10: <Hey>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> our priorities are very gay. Uh, and, you know, the, it just does not make sense. And I get it. Um, it sounds like most of these people are trying to truly just compassionately talk about these issues and they might have some sort of personal identifi- identification with these issues in particular. and that's why it feels more important to them throughout the larger span of history. but it's not for kids to be learning about in public education unless you're like in an elective course. you know, if you get to high school and they're like, hey, buddy, you got two, you know extra credit classes or whatever that you can fill some time in in your day and they're like, you know what? I want to take that ethnic studies class that you offer on the side, and that's what I want my elective course to be. By all means, go in and take that, and you can learn all that stuff and talk all about it. Or if you want to take a class, I don't know, on the gay influence <laughs> in America or something like that, Right,
6: you've, you've
3: more power to do that. Yeah.
0: More power to you. <laughs> but that's not what kids in public school with a generalized curriculum for their age range should be learning
2: show of hands. Who here thinks public school is the best option for kids? Okay. And who thinks private school is the best option for kids? Who thinks homeschool is the best option for kids? And then some of you guys didn't raise your hands at all. It's. What would you raise your hands for? I mean,
0: if you're looking at like outcomes, I I would have to look at the outcomes of these different things. I would imagine it's going to be private school or homeschool for the best outcomes when we're talking about like Income ratio and general IQ and intelligence and maturity and things like that, but I—I I mean, I went to public school.
6: Yeah, I did all public three. School. I was okay. public school, home school, and I went to private school. So. Hey, he's got the trifecta.
3: <laughs> yeah. I was only two. I was private school and public, public school for most of my life, and then private school for just high school. So okay,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be different for for everybody. I would imagine private or home school would probably bring about the best overall outcome. But
6: I'll make a poll. You guys weigh in on the chat. Which one you think is? Yeah.
5: Best. let us know so challenging to pick one right answer for that because yep. essentially what you're asking is who do you trust the most with your children mm-hmm. who do you trust to give them the cultural values that I have and then fill in the gaps where I don't necessarily know the answer but I trust that they're experts and are going to give my children the attention that they need in order to develop so that they can be a better version of themselves
1: if I had to choose one it's public school it is Mm. the best tool we have to give everybody Um, a chance at a good education. No matter where you come from, how much money you have, public schools where not everybody thinks the same and people are coming from all walks of life is a good like microcosm of that global experience um, where you can learn critical thinking skills and learn how to be a good community member because not everybody looks like
9: you or thinks like you.
2: Kelly, you are shaking your head.
9: Well, first of all, our schools are more segregated ever than our public schools, especially in blue states new york and california have the most segregated schools and on top of that we are in a place where our public schools are not safe especially the last 20 years and i just don't see why sending our kids to these environments where it's unsafe we also used to be i because i used to be on the left we used to be against the institutionalization of our children these kids are being institutionalized having these places where there's two thousand. 3,000 kids. I'm okay with public school, but the problem with it is that it's become an environment where it's just almost like, like the school-to-prison school pipeline. We used to talk about that in the 90s. We're not talking about that anymore. And I think that's something that parents need to wake up about and America needs to wake up about, the institutionalization of our children. Think that's very true.
0: You know that Carmel High School video that we commented on that went viral and everybody was like shitting on these kids or whatever? They had 5,500 kids all packed into this one school. That's insane, dude. That's like a little commune. You guys are all hanging out and living together. That's a little village of 18 year olds. (laughs) That's a lot.
6: But what are the, you know, what are the educational outcomes of that school i think they probably they're doing are above average
0: far better because of yeah. yeah just the i would imagine not only the resources that they have but the quality of education that they're receiving and the teachers that they're getting it from What on a much lower budget per student as we discussed in that video than some of these uh, cities like baltimore and detroit and chicago that are coming out with these horrendous horrendous outcomes for the kids
3: i, I think there's a there's a positive to going to schools on with that size of um you know, students, um, I think there's there's a larger marketplace of ideas that are zipping about between the children Mm -hmm. um, as they're as they're going through very formative years. And, you know, at at large in society, you know, that's that's partly why us as conservatives are are so for the freedom of speech is so that the marketplace of ideas remains open and that those uh, ideas that are strongest can win out over those that are weakest or you let those weakest ideas crumble under their own under their own weight of illogic yeah. uh, mm-hmm. thinking um so i don't know there th- this is going back to earlier in in the uh the vice video here um but it's <laughs> the way in which they're going about teaching these kids there's there's a difference between teaching them sex education biologically like creating and procreation um yeah that is something that each child should know but the i i believe the marketplace of ideas is where these these fringe um situations or or um situation yeah situations where people are trans or um have these uh, other thoughts like that's where these come to light and can be discussed among the children that are that are learning all of this stuff at the same time and they can they can figure it out among themselves
0: yeah man i don't know i i got I got a lot of bad influence in public school. Know, <laughs> like, there's yeah. so much bad... But there's good stuff, too. Like you said, there is, like, different backgrounds, and different people talking about different situations. And kids just naturally have those conversations and are naturally curious and are naturally figuring th- those things out. But there's a lot of room to be had for super negative influence from just kids that are just raised in completely different households than you are. Getting yeah. completely different stuff shown to them.
6: Yeah, I mean, I'm just... It's like there's there's obviously no blanket answer because every yeah. every situation is unique. But I think the the bottom line is like, you know, as a parent, you're sending your kids to public school, you send them to Christian school, you send it, you homeschool them like you, you, the goal is for them to be prepared, critical thinking. They're yeah. they're able to, you know, live out your values, whatever. So even if they're going to public school, for example, and getting exposed to all kinds of craziness they when they come home you should be involved enough in their lives to where you're talking to them about what they're experiencing at school who did they talk Mm -hmm. to Um, not in like a hovering policing way but just in a hey i'm involved in your development i have the greatest investment in you and i want you to succeed so let's talk about what you're experiencing and you know you shouldn't you shouldn't like outsource that responsibility to any uh school or other 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 entity and then if you're homeschooling then you have it's the other side of the coin is you got to make sure that they are properly being socialized and being prepared for you know the world that they will eventually face and and you want to equip them for that because and that's where like I, I had some public school experience and i saw some crazy stuff that was like yeah. whoa i did not know this was out there growing up more of a conservative <laughs> bubble, but yeah. that i'm grateful for that because it, it made me not sheltered and equipped me and then i also had my parents who would you know spend time with us every night and like talk to us about our lives and we did bible time and they inculcated their values that way and i think that, i think that's what you know, kept me grounded despite being exposed to a bunch of divergent worldviews. But then at the same time, I see uh, kids that go to Christian schools who have all these rigid uh, rules and ideas imposed on them. And Mm -hmm. then they end up wanting to rebel against that. And they're even worse off, you know, than uh, if they would have maybe gone to a public school. So it's just like so many ways that you slice it. But I think the the, the influence of the parents is is more important than the influence of the school environment um, in the end, in my opinion.
0: Lots, lots of nuance. Yeah. So many different ways it could go.
10: I talk about the school-to-prison pipeline yeah. all day, every day, and I hear what you're saying, that it's terrible that there are parents who are sending their kids to schools that are all not day, safe. every day. However, with what who? about the parents Hopefully that don't have a outside of school. Choice? Like, I'm thinking about, like, the most marginalized community when I Absolutely. said public schools here, because I agree with you. The public schools have a lot of work to do to become the safe places where our kids are not in institutions where they're ignored or not giving the services they need. And also... For the people that don't have a choice, and that is the only option their kids have, I just believe that's worth fighting for. Yep. That's why I said absolutely. Public school. I'm a big advocate for school choice. Well, why don't we just yeah. show hands? <laughs> who
2: who believes
9: in school choice? Can you specify like One, what? One two when three you four, four five. Where parents can apply the money that they pay to taxes, they get vouchers, and they can put that into any school that they want. It's very popular in red states right now, and um, a lot of blue states are against it, especially teachers' unions are against it because it's taking money away from the public schools and creating more of a competitive market. Right, that's yeah.
10: why I
7: wouldn't raise my hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes with school choice, it gets a little bit tricky, right? I had mm-hmm. my first class, had the first day, I had 25 students. By day two, I had 19 because six parents switched out of the class because they saw me, and they were like, there's no freaking way before I even got a word in.
8: As a parent, I right. would want to know, like, do you not think that, that is okay or their right to withdraw when they've seen you because ultimately you're probably an excellent educator I appreciate that um I I have no doubt about that but I think we we get into muddy waters when we start trying to take that choice away from the parent do
7: I think that it is okay for a parent to see me and go not around my kid no I don't think that's okay I feel Mm. like that's really crossing the line because you are for lack of better words discriminating against me openly that's
0: I'm trying to think about this in a situation that you could give to Desmond here that would make him do the exact same thing with his future kids, like like you talked about earlier. If you walked into a classroom and the teacher's wearing a big cross around their neck, uh, is that something where you would go, mm, maybe not, You're not around my kids? Or if Desmond went to a, a classroom and the teacher was like a white guy with dreads and beads and is <laughs> like culturally appropriating his outfit, would he be like, mm, not around my kids? you know, and just try to put yourself in the headspace because I get what he's saying. You you want to jump at it and say that's not right because it feels not right and it feels like an active attack on yourself. And it feels like, oh, well, I wasn't gonna teach that to your kids, but now, like, I feel attacked by the fact that you even thought I would simply because I'm wearing these things and that can make you feel really vulnerable. But think about a position where you would do the exact same thing. And I imagine if you think long enough in the thought experiment, you'll find a situation that you would actively go, not my kids,
6: right? And like your personal ideas and values are more important to you than having a cl- your classroom be free of the impression of or or the influence of your worldview. And so you mm-hmm. have to think about if you're willing to bring that into a the sacred public space. That is designed to be neutral, it, but you're violating that neutrality by saying, "Here's I want to." It's very important to me to present myself to the world in a way that demonstrates my values, my ideas, my worldview. Um, then be prepared for people who disagree with that, or people who that makes them uncomfortable, or see that as indicative of a broader system of thinking that they don't necessarily want their kids to be exposed to. You would do the same thing again if there if there yeah. was a stack of Bibles on the teacher's desk uh, when you walked in, and and that's that's totally fair.
0: And this is what teachers used to do. Like there was a teacher's dress code and that was something that teachers stuck to if you had tattoos and you were a teacher guess what you're wearing long sleeves every single day and you're wearing long pants if they're on your legs and that's how you're going to school there was no crazy makeup if you're a woman you don't have you know a bunch of cleavage showing you're not gonna even if that's like how you like to express yourself in your personal life and you didn't hear teachers come to school and go well, this is my personal self-expression and this is how I, how I dress every other day of the week, so I want to be able to come to school with my tattoo showing and my cleavage out and my cross around my neck and all these things. It just simply wasn't allowed. But because we are talking about a group of people that have labeled themselves as marginalized and on you know the margins of society, then it suddenly becomes, oh, well, for you, it's okay. Because you have this identity, you can do whatever it is that you want. And that's never been the case. Yeah. And like they had this idea that, oh, well, they sell you this narrative of, oh, straight people have been gallivanting around doing whatever it is they want and straight white males have been doing it. Uh-uh, you know, when my history teacher had a full sleeve on his arm, did I know that? No, I didn't find that out until I saw him outside of school because he came in and he agreed to the same set of rules that every other teacher did. And that's the way it should be.
7: Yeah, It's like seeing a black teacher and being like, there's no way it is the same. It's not it the is
6: same. This is where they it's- they conflate your ideology with your identity. Yeah, and that's the, the the fatal flaw here. If if you know the what you, the way that you're presenting yourself to the world is informed by. The way that you think about yourself, your beliefs about yourself, your beliefs about the nature of gender, your beliefs about the nature of gender expression, and all those things, and you're you're wearing that on your sleeve, so to speak, and you're bringing that into the classroom. So that that's different from just because this I walked in the classroom and the teacher's black. Oh, I'm not letting my two kids have that. It's it's not the same thing. That's yeah, that's real the, different. He's
3: conflating the immutable characteristics of an individual with those beliefs that they choose to wear on their sleeve. Yep. So hundred
6: percent. Which is the problem with identity politics because whenever you know if we make it an inarguable point. If you reject my identity, then you are, you know, that's an evil, bad thing and that you're not, a the, you're you're dehumanizing me and we so what the incentive structure then incentivizes you to load as much of the way that you think into your identity so that you can become uncriticizable and that you can push your ideas with impunity mm-hmm. and that's where it's it's a dangerous game that we play but the incentive structures are there so that's why it keeps happening with this identity politics age
4: right not still quite. the right of the parent to make that decision as to whether or not they want their child to learn from you. Okay, Like, it's still that parent's right. Like, you can disagree with their motivations,
5: their motives, their ideas, Would you but say it that- is still their child. This started around school choice. Even if you want to decide on a different learning environment for your kid, the people that do not have the option to send their child to a different place, the bar should not be so low. And that's mm-hmm. that's my concern with school choice is that sometimes people think that if every if everyone flees to the suburbs, who is teaching in these schools where everyone has decided they don't want their tax dollars going to? And that's that's one of the big concerns. With funding of education being the way that it's set up, it essentially makes it so that the people that are stuck with these as their options don't end up with as good a school and everyone deserves to have their kid go to a good school.
0: He just made a very, very good point there, and I've I've only thought about school choice as it's been presented to me. Haven't done like a real big deep dive into school choice and how it would actually be implemented. But what about the students that are uh, it, have parents that wouldn't do anything and wouldn't sign them up? Because I imagine, right? Okay, if you if you got a school choice system set. Of course you're going to have the this top league of schools that everybody wants to get into and they'll maybe open what an enrollment period and have maybe a few lotteries for kids that are, you know, not expected to to get into these schools. So the super active parents get their voucher, everybody has their voucher, the super active parents sign them up for the best schools and then the students that are left go into the next tier into the next tier into the next tier because we're treating it like a a market, a competitive market and In any competitive market, you have your top tier product and then you have the ones that fall below it. And then people get the scraps that are are at the end. So, yeah, what would that look like if brought out for kids who don't have active parents or just kids who are in not great areas? I mean,
3: just off the top of my head, that sounded a lot like the the college system, the college admission system. You're willing to invest in that college and willing to pay if you were to get in.
0: Yeah. But. okay. So if you were to get it, so are we going to then, because we are assuming that they're going to be not really partial to any student in particular, all the students are getting a very similar voucher to put towards whatever school they want to go to. Are we then judging the students based on their merits and saying, because you meet this standard, I'm going to let you in this school? as we do with the college education system? Or yeah. is it just like a, whoever signs up first, it's a first come, first serve, the most active parent gets into this school and then we account, you know, we do little lotteries like they do with charter schools.
6: Right. It's I a, don't know. Yeah. We yeah, need to have a, a school choice person. Yeah. And Yeah, exactly. I think that it's, it's, it's a complicated issue, but I feel like it is kind of like, there's an, it, there's an oversimplification and, you know, in conservative circles, people very much are supportive of school choice. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my wife about it and she's a, a former um, high school English teacher and she was just saying, like, the thing that is often missed in this conversation is the kids whose parents do not choose to advocate for them. And yeah. they're the ones who need good teachers and a good school environment the most. And they're completely left behind if their parents don't care about them or are not present in their lives or don't couldn't be bothered to invest in them. But, you know, and then, like, the typical conservative mentality is, like, you know, you, you should suffer the consequences of your own folly. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, but the problem is in, there's a disconnect because the parents are the ones making the, the foolish mistake. And the kids are the ones that are being punished by that. And then right. this, and then this is a public school system. So the, the, it's the public school. We're supposed to have like an equal approach for every student. They're supposed to have equal access as well as we can hand it to them. It's just a question of how do we, you know, serve students best? How do we give equal opportunity for them? Um, and school choice has some attractive advantages with it, but I wonder, you know, what a school choice advocate, how they would, you know, uh, account for like those students who parents just don't care about them. Is that just like a casualty of this whole thing? It's it's tough for me to to wrap my head around.
0: Uh, What I'm thinking is like maybe that even like in in this current education system, those students are suffering regardless of what you do now. And then in school choice, they may be suffering less because of the competitive aspect and nature of the schools. So regardless of where your school is oriented, you're still going to be fighting for the vouchers of other students. Therefore, the quality of education has to go up regardless. Mm. And then, you know, whether or not...
6: Which is consistent with like the capitalist argument that like the poorest get richer in a capitalist system because the the rising tide sort of lifts the The standard of of living for everybody. So if you have a competitive environment in schools, in theory, that would lift even the lowest
0: yeah maybe we need a school choice yeah, advocate yeah. to come on the show and talk about this because we got questions
6: we got questions but we're okay with saying i don't know
0: yep. you know which is yeah.
6: important we'll all get pat good. ourselves on
0: the back for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good idea i just want to know about those mm-hmm. other things
8: Well, if there's school choice, they won't be stuck with those options. They can have other options. That's the whole point of that. Also, it is the school district's job to appropriately use those budgets. Most of the budget in the schools aren't going to the teachers. We got cafeteria workers, janitors, all of these people that are getting paid.
9: It used to be nine out of 10 people that were employees of schools and districts were teachers, now it's 50-50. Yeah. So there is that some is mismanagement crazy. of funds in this country. We actually fund our kids really well. Yeah. 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 I, I agree I Whole like Too many administrators.
2: Just to go back a little bit to like, when you guys were raising your hands about the different choices, you raised your hand for homeschooling. Can you talk us through like, why Why do you think homeschooling is the best option?
9: If we look at the history of this country, a lot of people were homeschooled. A lot of our founders were homeschooled. Like they where they only went to school till third grade, a lot of them, and I think what has happened is parents have decided that the government is going to do a better job at raising mm-hmm. their children than themselves. We have also come to a place where school is taking up the majority of our day, and we have this mistrust of parents that they can't educate their own children, and I think that that's wrong. I think that a lot of parents, and if you look at homeschool data, like my friend Phil right here, he's got seven kids and he's homeschooling, the, homeschooling them all, and actually homeschool kids are turning
7: out really well I think you bring up a lot of very valid points. But I have to say, and I just want your opinion on this, I would never homeschool my own kids. And I want my kids to be smarter than, than me, than I ever was. How am I going to have a child that is smarter and does better than I do if I'm their only teacher? Yeah. You grow a lot. You
0: know, it's like... That's a, that's a valid thing. It would require you to really sign up your education to be on a trajectory of moving upward for for that to happen with your kids. And I think a lot of people have the misconception of, like, if your kid's homeschooled, you are the only influence on them. And, like, yeah. they're not getting the same curriculum as other kids are getting. They very much are. Like, you have to sign yourself up in, I believe, most states to meet the same standards that all the other kids are getting. You're going to get similar textbooks and resources that you can flip through and teach them. Uh, and a lot of homeschool parents do what's called micro schooling, where they have right. other parents come and teach subjects that they happen to have uh, more more strength in. And then you can sort of let your, your weaknesses be filled by another parent who's on the same track as you are. So it's not just all your knowledge and like no books, no reference, no nothing. And you're like, OK, kid, I'm going to teach you everything I know. You get help and, and the state makes sure that you meet certain requirements. Yeah.
9: Alongside your child. Okay. I think as a teacher, I feel like I've learned the most okay. in my life as a teacher. Like more so than in college. And, you know, so parents becoming teachers is actually good for them as well.
8: Okay. I mean, and, then, and then even in the public schools, a lot of teachers are relying on the lesson plans. But mm-hmm. speaking from experience, I got to give the credit where it's due. My wife does the homeschooling, <laughs> and I've watched that process of her learning alongside, you know, to make sure when they ask these questions, I'm getting knowledge on the material as well so I can help you get through it. Nothing replaces that value, that bonding time that she gets to have with the kids
1: i taught high school for six years and i quit and i am i'm a stay-at-home mom with my own kids so we're a one-income family we're lucky enough to be able to live off of my husband's salary would you say that most homeschool families have one parent working
8: i I do think the statistics show that that is the case it's like the
1: only way to do it well
8: pretty much and you know, another misconception, though, word. is that they think it's a, it's a matter of income and homeschool families have to be rich and et cetera. And I think the average homeschool family makes like 65 k So the reality is they're scaling back and making sacrifices for this lifestyle because mm-hmm. they value what is coming out of it.
1: So let's just say that for the people that homeschool isn't an option, what is for that, so many people it's not, I do not think that school choice is the way to go about that, which I know why? is... A lot of people's answer to that
0: let's th- I just want to hear why like nobody's saying why they're just saying I I don't agree
6: right the, you're taking a very firm they position might just be just editing it, it again yeah, it I, be, this yeah. is
0: like a four-hour conversation so who knows but I'm like
2: well can we just get kids Sean in here what, what's your what are your thoughts on the school choice gives people an exit ramp you
1: get to send your kid to a school that best fits what you think is best for their development At the end of the day, it's kitchen table conversations about, we've worked hard to raise a family. We want to spend our money in a way that best fits our child, best fits our family. And when you don't have school choice, you do make those trade-offs. There are real consequences there.
2: The school is, is considered one of those shared spaces, one of those last kind of shared spaces where you might bump into someone who maybe comes from a different background than you, has a different ideology than you. What do you lose if you homeschool and then you're not putting yourself in these kind of situations?
8: What you lose is negative influences. One Mm -hmm. of the biggest things, I think, when it comes to homeschool is keeping my kids away from your bad kids. We've went and taken our children to... Dude,
0: he's not quite wrong there. There's also a lot of positive influences that your kid could be missing out to, like very deep friendships. But you would hope to, you know, supplement that with other activities and things that you have your, your kid doing. And again, micro schooling is an option as well. But, oh my gosh... There were some badass kids at my public school. Yeah. I mean, doing stuff in the bathroom, fighting, graffiti, drugs. I mean, a-, a girl tried to set the school gym on fire when I was in uh, high school, brought a bo- a water bottle full of gasoline and vodka to school and tried to set the gym on oh fire. Oh, gosh. So we've had kids get stabbed at my school, just like. Some some crazy stuff has gone down.
6: Yeah, I think everyone in <laughs> public, with public school experience can, oh, yeah. you got can those stories. stories. Yeah. Right.
0: If you got a thousand kids all running around together, it's bound to be at least one of them who's a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would you say, I mean, the average household is likely to be dysfunctional, especially the average household that's not putting their kids into private school or homeschooling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, you know, then dysfunction breeds dysfunction. You're exposing your kids to just, you know, all kinds of stuff. Which, Yeah. It's it's a scary world out there. You
0: just gotta arm your kids. You gotta uh, not arm them. (laughs) (laughs) Not arm your kids. Armor your kids. Armor.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Don't arm them, please. Uh, I think we're going to have to cut off this video there. If you guys want to see us do part two, we are going to get into Super Chats. Let me know because we didn't even get halfway through this video and they go over a, a bunch of other subjects. They go into sex education in schools. They go into making curriculum. They go into critical race theory and get into the, the depths of that argument. So let us know if you want us to do a part two on this. I'd be more than willing to. Now we're going to do Super Chats.
6: All right. So we got uh, Feeling Dangerous 113 okay. says... Address to Taylor, I want to start going to church again. Any advice on finding the right church for me? Mm-hmm. Don't know if it matters if I was raised Lutheran. Um, it matters to some degree because that informs me of, like, what <laughs> what kind of you're looking for. But uh, I don't know, man. I would say go somewhere where you feel like you are being... Uh, enriched by going there and that it's soul nourishing and that it's pointing you to something higher that you're going and it's uh you know it's it's resonating and, and pulling you in the right direction i don't i don't want to go beyond that window specifics of like oh if they do it this way or that way or whatever i mean you know there's lots of different denominations out there uh but yeah um i'm at the place now where it's just kind of it's kind of intuitive you go and you try to have an open mind don't have a bunch of hard and fast rules i mean i'm I believe the Bible is the authority on what constitutes, you know, Christianity. And so, you know, if that's your working assumption, which is mine, then you want to go somewhere that is, teaches things that are consistent with the Bible and that eliminates a lot of weird cookie ones. Um, but yeah, beyond that, man, I don't know, maybe DM me on Instagram. We can talk more for uh, more in detail. Like Taylor gets a lot that. of
0: DMs about this.
6: <laughs> I love that conversations, though. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Jen McMahon says, we are head diving into Inherit the Wind Part 2. Inherit the
0: wind? W-I-N-D? That is? W-I-N-D? Google that up. Yeah. I'm, I'm Googling it. All righty. We'll go into the next one while I.
6: All right. Meantime, Anna Puppy says, What are the lyrics in your theme slash opening? Help. <laughs>
0: You know, where do we even get the theme? What website did we get it's that like on? Epidemic, yeah, right? Epidemic Sound.
6: Yeah, Epidemic Sound. Yeah, which it's, is just like a generic website for when you're making video content. There's yeah. like lots of... It's licensed, mu- licensed yeah. music. I
0: think yeah. it says Young Apollo with the, and yeah. then it with goes the into pop. the beat. <laughs> doom, 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 just, doom, yeah.
6: doom, doom, yeah. <laughs> found that one. We had a, a, one of our creative team here working on the, that intro video, and it had some other song, and then you found that one. Yeah. yeah. And it just, yep. if, you, if you squint your ears, is that a thing? It sounds like you're saying un- unapologetic, so it's
3: kind
1: of... Right, right.
3: It kind of works out. The artist is definitely, it's bouncing, his name or her name is bouncing around in my mind right now. But it's, uh, if I remember it, I will speak it out.
0: I, I looked up Inherit the Wind. It is a film. Inherit the Wind is a parable that fictionalizes the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial as a means to discuss McCarthyism. Written in response to the chilling effect of the McCarthy era investigations on intellectual discourse. The film is a critical, is critical of creationism. Mm. I'll have to check it out and watch it. I mean, I am not like super well, I, I mean, I'm somewhat versed on the McCarthyism period and red scare and all that and all that stuff, but never like watched.
6: Yeah. But so they're, they're comparing the time we're in now to like, I guess it's the, the flip side of, we were expunging creationism and now we're expunging wokeism from school I'm curriculum. Not quite or sure. is that I guess I'll have to, to, to watch to the film. I yeah, I guess so. We'll have, I'll to, have to get the broader, broader sense. All right. Uh, Daisy says, love this discussion. Finally, almost no interruption and everyone were listening to each other. By the way, does Amla slash Unapologetic have merch? We were just talking about this. We were just talking about
0: that. So I worked up a whole like set of T-shirts and everything, but now I have to, you know, switch them around a little bit and uh, fix the designs a bit. But I have been working on samples on the back end, uh, so hopefully very soon hopefully like within the first half of this year we will have merch up and running for you guys uh to to purchase if you want to purchase yeah but that's the goal and it's going to be cute
6: so cute can't wait it's not cute it's going to
0: be like streetwear oriented so if you're not down with streetwear you'll have to wait till the next you think drop, me and scott can rock do... some streetwear? you yeah. can pull it off scott and taylor could could rock it you guys have seen the designs you know what we're yeah they're actually we they're kind of they're kind of nice. dope yeah pretty dope.
6: We don't want to just do your generic like let's slap our logo on a mug. Yeah, we put
0: my smiling face on some socks or something. Well, although some <laughs> we people won't do would that buy that. Although Anyways, some people would like that.
6: <laughs> um, Alright, Alex says, uh, hey Amala, the first time you spoke at Winona, I asked you if public schools should be abolished. You said no. Have you changed your mind since then?
0: No. <laughs> 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 I do not think public schools should be abolished. I think they could be worked on and uh, made to be far better than they are. But I, I'm, I'm very much in line with a lot of what was said in this conversation on vice that public schools are an entity yes for active parents and active family members and for people to have curriculum transparency and have a say with what their kids are are being taught and told but really they're for the kids that you know taylor's wife is talking about the kids that don't have that option whose parents are not advocating for them the public school manages to have a very strong system of at least trying to keep those kids educated and, you know, truancy laws and things like that to just give them resources and uh, hopefully set them up for success in a world where they're not really getting a lot of the prerequisites for success. So, yeah, I yeah. think we need public schools.
6: All right. Also, Alex says, are you guys going to review more RP content like Friday? It's RP. RP,
0: what RP. would Maybe we do like Friday? Reddit?
6: We did the Reddit reactions and we did TikTok reactions on dating. oh No, was that Friday? No, Friday was that was Monday. What was Friday? It
0: was Friday. Is, is it red pill content? <laughs> short, is that what they're saying?
6: Short uh memory. Okay, if you know in the chat. Sorry guys, I gotta pull up we what our Friday episode was. Short memory. This. Um, oh the Bing's, Bing's AI, Matt the jeffree Star. And
0: so, what does RP stand for, guys? Let us know in the chat.
6: Yeah. Anyways, I guess we'll have to come back to that. You can tell us um, what that was referring yeah, to. if
0: you see it in the chat. All
6: right. And by the way, this is Alex from Minnesota. I think I talked to you after the speech, after Elmo's speech in Winona. We, oh. we talked, so Shout out to Alex. Shout out to Alex.
0: Thanks Thank for you for watching. coming out.
6: Um, Angelina Angelia Rose says, love your content. <laughs> thanks girl <laughs> oh and you should do a collab with Brett Cooper
0: yeah I mean we at some point West he's crosses. gonna we're gonna have the crossover yeah. at some point it is gonna happen
6: okay and I think that was our last one
0: thank you guys so much for your super chats uh, really appreciate it I hope you guys had fun with this conversation and again let me know if you want to have a part two also let me know what RP means because I literally mm-hmm. still do not know what that means and i will love to know so that I can answer your question um Guys, thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe. Also, sign up for the email list that's in the description down below. You can go by clicking the link and you'll get updates from me as far as the content that we put out. Plus a little personal blurb about things that are going on with me outside of the show, other things that I'm working on. So sign up for that email list and newsletter just to keep posted because YouTube doesn't always notify you. Some of you don't even have your notifications. Oh, which is Shame. really rude. It's really rude. Anyways. RP guys. is
6: red pill content, by the way. Ah, so so. right mm. Ooh.
0: Yeah, you know, we all about that. I know a little something or two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been wanting to do, or we've been wanting to do a series on like Tom Soul and Yuri Besmanov, and like those are some red pill videos. <laughs> secret, top secret, <laughs> Let's special Let's some special. Those are some red pill videos. They are in development, guys. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully down the line. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. Hope you have a fantastic day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.